Hello, everyone, and welcome to the pilot episode of the Star Wars podcast. And if you clicked on this podcast looking for porn, you're probably going to be disappointed. But if you like girls who can't shut up about Star Wars, you are in for a treat. Yes. My name is Soya, otherwise known as Soyerism on TikTok and Instagram. And I'm Hannah, also known as Discount Bo-Katan on TikTok. And we are so excited to bring this podcast to you from a galaxy far, far away. And to start things off, we have a fantastic first guest. Brooke, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us uh, where we can find you, what kind of content you make, and how you started uh, getting into the Star Wars fandom. Sure. So my name is Brooke. I am B underscore Dazzler on TikTok. Um, I post mostly on TikTok um, things about Star Wars. I talk a lot about like character development. Um, I talk a lot about the sequels, um, and then I do a lot of shit posting. You know, jokes. I yell about how much I love Boba Fett oh, a lot. So you know, all those things. <laughs> Awesome. Yes, um, we're so excited to have you as our first guest. And uh, yeah, so without further ado, let's get right into it. Um, today's episode, we are breaking down one of the most intense, uh, lesser talked about parts of the fandom, and that is uh, shipping, its history, um, and all of that jazz. So let's let's get started. Yeah, so um, if anyone is not aware, shipping is essentially when you say character X and character Y should kiss. Um, it comes from the term relationship-ing, um, and it actually kind of is a older slash newer phenomenon because it's been happening for a very long time because the Star Trek fandom sort of pioneered it in the 60s, um, but it didn't really become like a big part of fandom until the 90s in the X-Files. Um, so I would just like to have us sort of talk about our personal history with shipping and how we came into that world. Um, Brooke, do you want to start us off? Sure. Um, I feel like I've always been a part of different fandoms growing up. Like I read Harry Potter and all of the, like all the different fandoms, most recently Star Wars. Um, I've been a Star Wars fan for a while, but didn't really like get really into it until after I saw The Last Jedi in the theater. That was my first Star Wars movie that I saw in the theater. So since then, no surprise that I'm a Raylo <laughs> because of that. Um, but I, I'm a per I'm a very like character driven story type of person. Um, so I feel like I always spend a lot of time evaluating the relationships between two characters, like regardless of it, if it's romantic or not, um, and how those play a role in the story um or on a particular character um and that's why I think I love The Last Jedi so much and even like to an extent The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi um because it's less those are like I feel like those movies are less about the, the physical journey that you're going on and more about the like emotional journeys that you're taking with characters and with each other um because with The Last Jedi you have a lot of Rey and Kylo but then in Empire and Return of the Jedi, you have a lot of like Luke and Vader in that similar dynamic, not like a relationship, obviously, but they still they still kind of act in similar ways. Um, I, especially, so especially with The Last Jedi, because um, I feel like most of the relationships that are formed the most in that movie take place like within the confines of like one or two locations. Like Ray and Kylo are really never together until towards the end. Even Ray's 
relationship with Luke is all on Octo. Um, and then I feel like the relationship that is the most forced, which is like Finn and Rose, their relationship is like the one that goes on this big like journey, like to catch a bite and back and stuff. So I just thought that was kind of interesting, um, especially when I'm thinking about like Star Wars ships in general. Um, so what else? I'm just looking through my notes here. Well, I think um, that it's it's really interesting that you bring up Empire Strikes Back and um, The Last Jedi because I've always thought that like the second movie of a Star Wars trilogy always is like a character study. Um, yes. I, like that totally applies to the prequels as well. It's all about like the interactions between these two characters. We've set up the adventure in the first story. Now it's time to care about the people before we sort of bring it to a conclusion. So I feel like that is always where the ships come out is in that second movie mm-hmm. of the trilogy. Yeah, I mean, I think we definitely, I mean, yeah, because Empire was, you know, I love you, I know, and uh, Attack the Clones is definitely a love story. (laughs) Um, And, uh, you know, say what you will about The Last Jedi, but I completely agree. Um, For me personally, I mean, I think that I, you know, I really started getting into like fandom stuff when I was in middle school. And um, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, when you're a nerd and you're that age, uh, a lot of people are probably going to make fun of you. So I think I found some kind of solace in getting into shipping um, with each fandom that I, you know, entered. Um, and then it wasn't, I don't think, until Star Wars that the ships really set in for me and started to, you know, kind of become part of my personality. Um, <laughs> nothing has ever influenced me in the same way that Raylo in particular has so um you know it was kind of a gradual progression of kind of like exploring the idea of shipping and the difference between shipping you know characters that are canonically together and then shipping characters who maybe don't even aren't even from the same film um but um yeah no it's kind of become a core part of my fandom and I'm proud of it and uh, yeah that's why we're having this podcast because it's a really important part of the fandom that I don't think gets a lot of airtime um, especially not on TikTok which is where we're all you know mostly creating yeah and I will well I I was gonna say I think that it's like part of the reason why it's not talked about as much as like certain other aspects of the fandom is because shipping tends to be like kind of a female interest when it comes to um uh like which part of the fandom is really active in shipping and it always kind of has been um like the x-files for instance um it was like i mean this is a generalization but a lot of female fans really wanted like scully and Mulder together and a lot of the male fans were like no that would ruin the entire show so even from its genesis it's always kind of been like the female fans are the shipping advocates um a bit more often which is interesting but my personal history with shipping is um so I was big in the Frozen fandom in like 2014 and I shipped uh Anna and Kristoff all the way all so hard I think that was like my first real like I was I was in it to win it um I think I it, it like you know that um short that came out like a year or two afterwards Frozen Fever or no not Fro- yeah Frozen Fever and it was like Anna's birthday um and he said, I love you in the movie. Sawyer was there with me. I like screamed. I, it was it was a <laughs> moment for me. <laughs> but um, and then 
getting into Star Wars, it was Sawyer who got me into Raylo. And I was like, oh, like this dynamic is really something. Um, so yeah, that that's my personal history there. Um, but yeah, I think that sort of an interesting thing, since we all have similar taste in ships, it's interesting to think about how sometimes the argument about shipping is whether it's whether or not shipping has something to do with personal wish fulfillment. Um, like, what do you guys, I mean, does Raylo represent what we want out of a relationship? Is it just like for entertainment value? Like, what are your thoughts? I think, and I've kind of always thought this way, especially as it relates to myself and however embarrassing it is, I think that there is something to be said about the fact that a lot of people who are heavily invested in shipping are doing so to live vicariously through the characters, uh, whether that's because they, you know, find comfort in that based on what's going on in their personal life, or, you know, they just like to be completely and totally wrapped up in the fantasy of the world. Um, so I think that's a pattern we see a lot with people who ship, um, which is totally fine. I mean, I am no, I am certainly guilty of that. You know, um, it, it's any any chance I get to relate to or even be, you know, whether that be cosplay or role play or whatever, be that character. You know, I absolutely take advantage of that even now in my adult life. Um, so I think that, yeah, I think there's a lot of personal wish fulfillment Um I don't necessarily think, I mean, there's a difference between like casual shipping and then like hardcore, like in it to win it uh, type. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Um, but that being said, with Raylo, um, I don't think people necessarily wish for their lover to be their enemy. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there's a lot to be said for, you know, trying to relate to those characters as much as possible and wanting to experience what they're experiencing. What about you, Brooke? Yeah, oh, I agree. I, I think that a lot of it is, it's almost like a self-insert kind of thing. Like, if I can't actually be a part of this, then I'm going to, you know, insert my own headcanon into it. And sometimes it comes true. Sometimes it doesn't come true. Like with Raylo, we saw that come to fruition at the end of the saga. And then, like, in Game of Thrones, they spent the first six seasons shipping Daenerys and Jon Snow, even though they had never met each other. And then that actually came true by the end of the show. And then sometimes it doesn't pay off. Like, the Joey and Phoebe from Friends never became a real relationship. Or, like, um, Zuko and Katara from Avatar. Um, and then I think also we, we ship, because I feel like as consumers of these stories, um, I feel like we we often feel like we see stuff that the writers don't or we, we become so connected or attached to these stories and these characters that like we feel as though we personally know them or we know them even better than the writers um, or know what's best for them. So we so we create these headcanons about them. Um, yeah, yeah I think it like, has, go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say that can like get into dangerous territory as well when you're like, sort of taking ownership of the character from the writer and it's like no I know what's best for that the the way that like people were really pissed off when Hawks was killed off in the rise of Skywalker because they were like he deserved better we could you know they they had taken such ownership mm -hmm. of this like somewhat minor character and just really like dug their nails in and knew what they wanted for him and what they wanted was not that and so that kind of breeds it's like a lot of negativity sometimes so it's an interesting it's an interesting sort of 
double-edged sword there. Yeah, I think it's a weird dynamic because at, at some point there's, you know, leaving respect for the creators and the writers of that story. And on the other side, it is like, sometimes it can be good or maybe push those uh, franchises in the right direction. Um, like just thinking about, especially in Star Wars um, and other franchises that have like little to no LGBT representation, like coming up with like Storm Pilot or having those headcanons is hopefully pushing the conversation in the right direction to actually get those to be, those kinds of relationships to be canonized. Um, but there's like kind of a fine line between, am I being toxic to towards, you know, all the creators and the people that worked really hard on this and being like, hey, I think we need more representation in this area or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that sometimes when people sort of demand a ship, it comes out of a place of like entitlement, but other times mm -hmm. it's like truly out of a love for the character and like what they wish to see for like that character they want the best for their favorite character a lot of the time so f sometimes creators are really like you know um mean about people who ship their characters like for example there's this infamous clip from a comic con one year of the creators of avatar making fun of zutara shippers um and just just like kind of being unnecessarily rude about it um Whereas it was mostly because those people just love Zuko and want the best for him. Um, so it's it's kind of interesting. And then the same thing sort of applies with um, people who who shipped, uh, I would say Storm Pilot is one of those where people just really loved those two characters. Not only did they want to see like themselves represented on screen um, if they were queer or just to like see queer relationships more normalized in giant media, you know, that like, similar to the mammoth that is Star Wars. Um, but they also just cared deeply for Finn and Poe and wanted to see them have some like stuff of their own. Yeah, but for sure. Um, I do think that there's a huge difference between um, like I like I mentioned before, living vicariously through a character and like taking ownership or, you know, possession of a character. I think we have seen um, on all sides, regardless of what the ship is, I think we do see that a lot. And we do see quite a bit of, you know, bullying to creators, writers, directors when it doesn't go their way. Um, but yeah, like you said, Hannah, I think that, you know, a lot of the time as well, it's just wanting the best for the character that you resonate the most with. Um, and there's a fine line between the two. Um, but for the most part, I think that shipping is really healthy. And I think it's a unique part of fandom that is, you know, should be talked about more and should be celebrated because um you know any possible way that you can connect to a character or add more life to a story uh for yourself and for others i think is you know beautiful um and that's you know I, I think it's one of my favorite parts about being in a fandom especially one this large um because it makes for more content i mean and and you know we've, we've got fan fiction for you know when things don't come to fruition the way we want them to and that expands the fandom a lot more as well so um yeah i think it's a beautiful thing uh, despite the toxicity that we do see sometimes yeah and i think that um it's really interesting to see how ship culture has evolved not only like just from the early 2000s when everything was on forums when you know i was not on the internet personally but also like over just the past few years things have changed like kind of a lot um i i would say that um 
you're seeing it less as like a really intense and like limited sect of Tumblr, like how it was in like the, the early 2010s and more as like something that is more broadly applicable to like the entirety of uh, a certain fandom. Um, like for example, you know, Tumblr used to be the big hub for um, like th their super hulock stuff. And if you were gonna ship, it was gonna be on fanfiction.net or on, on Tumblr. And now you see all of these Instagram accounts that are dedicated to their favorite ship. And you see like, not so much TikTok yet, but you know, there's like, there's Raylo Twitter and there's um, broad, more like, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's more broadly accepted um, as time goes by, which is really interesting because its genesis is, as I mentioned before, from people who were really underground about it um, in the Star Trek fandom because it was the 60s and they were shipping, you know, two male characters together. Um, so that was not something you, you know, threw out to the world and made totally known. Um, they had their zines and they sort of had their trading of these zines that had like, it's like a forum in written form and fan fiction and that kind of thing. And that was where you did your fandom and it was sort of like hidden in the dark. Um, and as we've seen the internet grow and like, you know, people are more and more open with their use of it, we've seen fandom like almost accept shipping as just like, it's part of it. It's not even like a weird subsect anymore. I mean, yeah. And I would say, you know, you brought up fanfiction.net. I would venture to guess i mean i i don't know who made archive of our own i don't know who's responsible for that but it really does seem like that was a platform that came out of this idea that there needed to be a space specifically for shipping fan fiction i've not seen i i don't think i've ever seen a fan fiction on that website that was not inherently about one ship or several ships in particular um so that was not something that you know a was available to people um until really until after you know anime and star wars really you know and super hulak especially really took off um so yeah i think we've seen a lot of growth and change in mindset about shipping um and it's definitely a lot more accessible and accepted um in fandom now it's almost i would even venture to say it's almost expected i think mm -hmm. asking someone when you meet someone who is in the same fandom as you i think asking them who they ship is a really common question now mm -hmm. um whereas way back when that was not something you talked about because it was you know kind of taboo and just to clarify yeah. when we talk about super hulak um for anyone who is not on tumblr um we are talking about there was this trifecta of um tv shows supernatural doctor who and sherlock and less so with Doctor Who, but definitely Supernatural and Sherlock had a really intense shipping culture. Um, and both of them happened to be M slash ships or ships between two guys. Um, John uh, Watson. Oh, my God. I hope his first name is John. Otherwise, I look like a moron. Yes. yes. <laughs> and, uh, and Sherlock and um, Dean and Castiel were the big like things on Tumblr. Just to clarify for anyone yeah. who did not live through that. <laughs> Sure. Um, but uh, since this is a Star Wars podcast, I think that we should maybe 
break down some of the common ships. Um, I think it's it's important to um, we're going to divide this into two different sections because uh, both are completely valid and very you know popular. But we've got the cannon ships and then we've got the crack ships. So let's let's start by talking some uh, talk, breaking down some of the cannon ships and um, yeah, we'll we'll get around to the crack ships though because those are arguably more fun. Um, I think it's interesting, especially specifically with cannon ships. I think there's a difference between shipping two characters versus two characters that are like in an established relationship or like the story revolves around their relationship, um, which I think is where like Annie, Dala and Rayla like break off a bit because Rayla was never like it's canon now at the end, but they were never in an established relationship, whereas like three quarters of the plot of Attack of the Clones is focused around their relationship. And basically like we wouldn't have any other Star Wars if Padme and Anakin hadn't gotten together and had Luke and Leia. So like it was very important to the story. Um, so I just wanted to point out that that I think it's kind of interesting that it's there's definitely like a significant difference, um, especially in the case of Star Wars when it comes to that. Um, but do we want to start with Raylo? I mean, yeah, I mean, we could talk about it. Although I, I do want to bring up because you said that I was kind of thinking about it. And, you know, if, if you know, if there had to be an in-between, I would say that the, the original trilogy is kind of an in-between situation there because Han and Leia are canon. They're very much canon, but, you know, they have kind of a tumultuous, tumultuous relationship, um, you know, that really doesn't get fully resolved until the end of Return of the Jedi. So, um, yeah, I think that's a really good point to bring up. We kind of see a lot of versatility um, between, like, all Star Wars media. And then we've got things like Obatine, which is technically canon or was canon in the content that we or the storyline that we don't see because that was a past thing. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of, that's there's something to be said for the fact that we kind of get a little taste of every kind of canon ship. Um, but yeah, no, let's let's talk about Rylo because I think that that is definitely <laughs> the most uh, talked about Star Wars ship, uh, whether you like it or not. Hannah, do you want to give us a start on that? Yeah, absolutely. So um Raylo, obviously, for anyone who's been living under a rock, is the relationship between Rey and Kylo Ren in the sequel trilogy. It starts off very much their enemies. Um, they're um, fighting one another, like, sort of nonstop through the first movie because he is the main antagonist and she's the main protagonist. And then we move more into a, uh, a territory going into The Last Jedi where maybe they're co-protagonists. Um, and it becomes less of like a black and white um, hero and villains sort of situation. So that plays a lot into like the, the enemies to lovers thing that people tend to love. Um, and how it there's sort of this gradual progression toward maybe he's not such a bad guy. Um, and he's always been like, you know, sort of split in half between do I want to commit to the darkness? Do I want to commit to trying to redeem myself? Um, and seeing that conflict, I think, is a lot of what attracts people to that relationship. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I also think uh, it's interesting, like, to think about when you, like, became a Raylo, because I feel like there's, like, three distinct groups of Raylos. There's the ones all the way back in The Force Awakens that were, like, screaming into the void, like, no, like, 
did, I saw that in the like in the torture chair or whatever. Like they had a thing, and so many people saying, "No, you're crazy." Like they hate each other. They're probably cousins. Maybe they're siblings. <laughs> um, and so to like, I applaud those people who have just like stuck it all the way out. Um, and then you have the Raylos that joined once the Last Jedi came out because there was, unless you have never seen an interaction between two humans. Um, I don't think you can deny like the chemistry that the two <laughs> characters have. Like when people say that, like, oh, I didn't see that at all. I'm like, okay, but have you ever left your basement? <laughs> um, and then there's the people who didn't really, maybe they didn't get into Star Wars, especially uh, we have a lot of like younger people on TikTok who didn't get into Star Wars until The Rise of Skywalker came out and they didn't become a Raylo until you know, the whole franchise is over. So I think that's kind of interesting to think about those three, the three groups of people that we've got as far as Raylo goes. No, for sure. And I think that this was, because it was not a situation like uh, Anakin and Padme, um, it was, you know, it was a slow burn, you know, to use a fandom term, term, it was a slow burn. And so it, it makes sense why there was so many, you know, different levels of, ship i i can say for myself um i actually started as a finray uh that lasted like two weeks um uh after the force awakens you know that lasted like two weeks until someone had brought to my attention that roilo was a thing and they thought it was going that in that direction and pretty much right from there i was like oh my god if they're cousins i'm going to like go to lucasfilm <laughs> and rip their heads off no no um so that was where i started but i think we saw i think we saw the biggest surge in Raylo shippers after the last jedi because like you said brooke there's no denying the tension between those two in that film and you know to the point where that i think in that film and during the promotion for that film, I think that's when we start to so started to see, um, like, in promotional material or in interviews, people would say, okay, so what's the situation with Ray and Kylo? Okay, <laughs> like, you know, people started to ask. I mean, wasn't it Judy Dench, who was doing a film with Daisy, um, who asked her like what's the deal with Kylo Ren like you know so I think after that film it was when we saw this huge surge in Raylo shippers um and that's really when that ship started to evolve and become as big as it is now um but I mean yeah it it, it kind of you know it plays into the enemies to lovers trope in the most aggressive way possible I can't really think of another ship because there's plenty I mean Zutara a lot of people like compare Zutara to Raylo and um I, nothing screams enemies to lovers to me at least as much as Raylo does and I think that at its core is why so many people ship it yeah I know we were going to talk about like ship tropes towards the end but I feel like we can't talk about Raylo without talking about the enemies to lovers trope because that also goes into a lot of the like controversy surrounding Raylo um yeah, and we'll definitely yeah. touch on that more later, but no, absolutely. I mean, that's and it's not an uncommon thing even before Raylo. I think that that was a trope that people were attracted to, but I would, yeah, like I said, I mean, it's definitely, at least in modern media, the biggest representation of that. Um, but let's switch tracks and talk about Anadala, because that is a completely different story. 
Yeah, I think as we said, everyone knew that it was going to have to happen. Um, I actually am not sure that people necessarily knew right off the bat that Padme was going to be Luke and Leia's mother. But because they are like having you ship them pretty much from the Phantom Menace when he is a nine-year-old child, when he's like, are you an angel? Um, he, it, it's sort of like just set up from the very beginning and you you almost have no choice but to ship them um which is like what they've tr what like many franchises have tried to do um with uh some other ships like for example avatar they try to make it pretty clear like oh yeah ang and katara are going to be endgame by the end of this and yet people still shipped zutara with a huge force um but i think that they did it somewhat successfully with Anadala because there really wasn't a huge uprising of an opposing ship. There are people who ship Obi-Wan and, and Padme, but like they're not a huge um, insurgency within the fandom. Um, so I think because people knew it was gonna have to end up that way and Luke and Leia were gonna have to be born, there was no like true controversy around whether or not they should be together, but the controversy was, well, is this a good relationship? It's kind of an awkward relationship. It's kind of a relationship that feels a little bit forced at times. Um, and he is a little bit creepy sometimes. Yeah, I feel like it plays into the like forbidden lovers trope a lot, which is maybe why people are attracted to it. Um, I like don't have strong feelings either way like I love Attack of the Clones and like as much as the dialogue is corny like I still like it and I don't care and I think like that movie I like them in that movie but as a like as a whole I am not crazy about how their relationship goes especially after seeing like the Clone Wars and everything just adds more to it but I can see where people are attracted to it especially if they see the prequels as like their comfort movies or they're like just like we could think of Raylo as being our comfort ship everyone has their their comfort ship and as long as you like recognize the issues without disrespecting those people that you know like it or don't like it then I think it's fine either way yeah and then the same could be said for Raylo but like I said you know we'll, we'll definitely touch on that a little bit more aggressively later but yeah I think that. I mean, I, I don't know if I speak for all three of us, but I think that there was a sense the way they set it up, it kind of just kind of like Hannah said, they did it in such a way that, you know, I don't really know anyone who doesn't ship them, you know, in the sense that like, yeah, they're together and that's how it is. And they had a love story and, you know, uh, there was no pushback really not even until the clone wars came out i don't think um i don't even think people started to find issues with it until the clone wars because i think that just in general uh, that series added so much context to both attack of the clones and um revenge of the sith um so yeah i mean i think it's the one ship that we can all say for certain we've at least felt like yep okay, this, yep, this is how it is. Um, but, you know, and I think that there's some of that with Han Leia as well. 
um, because we do see that, you know, there's no Kylo Ren if there's no Han Leia. Um, and I think people were very invested in that from the get-go. Yeah, um, it was actually, I've, I've looked into this. I was wondering one time whether people shipped Luke and Leia, like, intensely. Um, and there were people that did, you know, there were Luke-Leia zines. But from the get-go, people were more into Han and Leia because, and this, I guess, co- goes back to the, like, why do we ship things? It was because, um, according to, you know, the article that I read, people were so charmed by Han Solo and people liked him and people <laughs> wanted him to get the girl. Um, uh, even though he's not really the protagonist, he, um, they, they were just like attracted to Harrison Ford and wanted the best for Han. Um, so yeah, that was like, Han Leia, I don't think was met with that much pushback either. No, I feel like it I- also... Depends. Sorry, I feel like it also depends on like what you look for in a ship. Um, going back, like connecting it back to Avatar, like they wanted us to think like Aang and Katara would end up together because Aang spent the whole show, you know, being infatuated with Katara, just like Luke spent the whole first movie of A New Hope being infatuated with Leia and even part of Empire before like the big reveal. Well, we didn't even know that by that point either. Um, so if you're into that like pining kind of relationship, then maybe you ship that. But then with like Leia and Han, they have more of the like witty banter and not quite enemies to lovers, but just kind of like the, I'm if I look at you, I'm gonna be sick. And then you realize that you have feelings for them kind of thing. And I feel like that is more attractive in media, at least in the like shipping world from what I've gathered. Um, not that I've done any like scientific research on it or not, but there's definitely it goes both ways. Whatever I think you're that looking people, for. I think it might be almost a sense of okay, well, hap- you know, love at first sight is not really a realistic thing. Um, and mm-hmm. to see maybe it doesn't manifest in real life the same way that Han, Leia, or Raylo ends up. Um, but yeah, I think there's something to be said for wanting to see a more realistic um, development of a relationship. So I would say, you know, where you have Anadala, where it's established from the beginning, okay, they're going to be madly in love with each other. Um, you know, we don't see that with Han Leia, and it's very gradual progression. And they are both very reluctant to admit their feelings until, you know, it comes to a point where it's like, okay, we, we can't deny this anymore. Here we are. Um so yeah, that might have something to do with it um, for sure. But um, similarly to Anadala, I don't think that any of us are. I mean, there are the Sky Solo shippers, and we'll get into that in a second. But you know, for the most part, I think that's a generally accepted ship, and you know, people like it. People love to see their reunion in the Force Awakens, um, and that was always you know a beloved part of the original trilogy. I think. Yeah, and I think because um, so much time has passed that it's become like canonized as one of the great film relationships. And that's why part of why we really don't question it that much. Yeah. Um, and then we've got, you know, the the smaller canon ships. We've got uh, Obi-Teen, uh, which, like I said, is canon, but it was, you know, in the past. By the time we get to the Clone Wars, you know, yeah, they still have feelings for each other, but it's not, you know, their relationship occurred at a time that we don't actually know anything about. Um and I'm trying to think, like, what others that there are that kind of have that same vibe. But, um, well, then then we've got, you know, ships that aren't canon anymore because they're not canon, like Bastille and Revan. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, I mean, what do we think about those that are not as, you know, present in your face, um, but still there? Well, I will say that I made a video about like what your favorite Star Wars ship says about you a while back. And I didn't include Obi-Teen. And I got so many comments that are like, what about Obi-Teen? What about Obi-Teen? What about people like I think now there's been sort of like a renaissance of the Clone Wars fandom with like the revitalization of the Star Wars franchise as a whole. Um, and now people who not who didn't necessarily watch it when it first came out, who maybe weren't fans when that happened, who maybe were really young when that happened, are now seeing it and falling in love with it. Um, so it's it's like a ship that's gotten a second chance with the, this new um, resurgence of interest in that series. Yeah, I think relationships like that, especially just specifically Obi-Teen, it's less about the relationship itself and more about like building on the character that's in involved with, like less of um, Satine and more about building on Obi-Wan's character. And because we can see now that we have all of the information of how Anakin fell to the dark side and all of the contributing factors seeing the prequel, seeing the Clone Wars, it's interesting to like go into that and using Obi-Teen as like a, a factor in Anakin's downfall because Anakin is struggling. We see him struggling the entire time in Attack of the Clones with his feelings for Padme. And all you hear is Obi-Wan being like, oh no, just re repress your feelings. It's not the Jedi way. It's not the Jedi way. When maybe if he had just taken the five minutes to say, you know, I've had... I am, I have been there where you are and just like connect with him as less of like a master apprentice and more of just like people or friends. Um, things could have been a lot different. Um, so I think it's totally fine to be really invested in those ships, especially it's like the what if, like we've never seen it. So you can make, you know, all these different assumptions about it. I'm sure there's tons of fanfic about it as well. Um, I feel like people take it too far sometimes, but it's fine. I mean, yeah, and, and now I, I, I think that we kind of see the opposite with Kanan and Hera because from the get-go, they are together. And we just, okay, and we see, you know, I'm personally not that far into Rebels, but from what I have watched, you know, we see them characterized and that's got nothing to do with their relationship. Um, you know, we just kind of, and it's not even like, Yes, it has its moments, but for the most part, it's just like Hera being like, "Hun, don't do that. You know, like it's okay, they're together, but it's not like a huge factor in who they are as people. Um, so yeah, that's kind of interesting. And just the same with Obi-Teen, there are some people who are really invested in that ship as well, uh, purely because it's kind of known to be the most healthy relationship. And I think that might just be because from the beginning, you they are together. Um, and they've had this dynamic that, you know, we've seen, we, we haven't seen because they're together by the time they pick up Ezra, you know, and, you know, so yeah, um, there's kind of, uh, I would, yeah, like I said, I think it's kind of the opposite of Obi-Teen, but it kind of has a similar effect in the sense that it's not at the forefront of Star Wars shipping, but it still resonates with people because both of these are you know still so unique compared to the other ships canon ships that are going on within the universe 
Um, I was going to say, uh, it's interesting, like with Kanan and Hera, people using that as like an argument against Raylo specifically, like, oh, well, Kanan and Hera is the only, you know, non-toxic, you know, healthy relationship that we see in Star Wars. So you can't ship anyone else because it's not healthy. And it's, it's just kind of interesting how there's like competition between the ships, even though they have like no relation to each other whatsoever. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we see that in, in in crack ships as well. And we can get into that a bit because there is a little bit of, you know, you know, controversy. I don't know if that's the right word, but, you know, discussion. What is the correct crack ship? Um, so, yeah, let's <laughs> talk about those because, you know, there are quite a few. And I think, you know, I, I could be wrong, but I do think that that I, the idea of shipping characters who are not together is more new than you know shipping people you know like Anadala that are established from the beginning or are established within the um, film or trilogy. Um, so yeah, what do we want to start with that? Well, I will say that the ships that are queer relationships in the Star Wars universe do all fall under the category of ca- crack ship because Disney has yet to make a main relationship you know, aside from Commander DAC and her unnamed girlfriend, um, a, a a part of the story. Um, well, the, the Santec is a uh, husband and husband. Oh, that's right. Republic, but you haven't read it yet. <laughs> um, but uh, there's just like a, a, a huge goldmine of um, queerness within Star Wars that uh, it all falls into the crack ship bin um, where it's sort of like we a lot of people really wanted to see, for example, Finn and Poe get together. Um, and a lot of people were really upset when that did not become canon. So now aside, uh, now that the trilogy is over, it's no longer a regular ship. It's now a crack ship. It's now a what could have been ship. Um, and sometimes they're like that, where it's like these two characters interla- interact a lot. We feel a little bit cheated. They had a lot of chemistry. But sometimes it's like, these people never met. And um, some, like, Ginger Rose is one of those where they are in one scene together and in one deleted scene she bites his finger like a dog and people took that and just ran with it um which is like I want to preface before we get into it like this is it's okay if you ship that we are not judging you Mm -hmm. we just maybe don't quite understand it but we are not you can ship whatever you want go ahead absolutely absolutely go nuts with Ginger Rose but it is one of those instances where it's like where did they come up with that? And um, another thing with Rose, I mean, she's like a character that people put into some of these minor crack ships a lot. Um, Rose and Ray, people ship them, and it's really the only femme slash ship that's major that I can think of in the Star Wars fandom. And that's because for so long, there have not been two major named female characters in a movie together in Star Wars. It's like... It's like the Shakespeare rule, where in a Shakespeare play, you're only allowed to have two female characters, and only one of them matters. That has been the case for so long, and as soon as Ray came around, people were like, okay, we can have a fem slash ship, finally. Um, fem slash meaning like a WLW, um, two girls situation, but. Yeah, I also think people ship Rose with a lot of other characters because we didn't see any of her after The Last Jedi. So it's maybe they're, you know, wanting to 
give her more than she got in those in those movies yeah absolutely and you bring up femme slash hannah and i think something that you know we i I don't i i guess you would call it a crack ship in because we don't have you know two female leads we have yet to have two female leads in the star wars universe we have situations where um femme kylo ren and ray or you know uh just different situations like that which i i guess i would consider that a crack ship because it's not canon um but it is this desire to fill in the gaps where we don't have a lot of representation right now um and i think that's a huge motivator for you know diving into crack ships um you know there are the people who do it because they just don't resonate with the canon ship or maybe there just isn't one um but yeah i think that that's you know something to talk about as well because i've seen quite a bit of it specifically in the sequels i really have not seen a lot of that um in the other trilogies or the shows um but yeah uh, what, what are your thoughts on that well it's well, i was Sorry, I, I want to cut in by saying that femslash yeah. also is is a very like small subsect of shipping culture as a whole. Because if you look on the most popular ships on AO3, um, the top ten for the longest time have been all M slash or M slash with one like straight or you know FM ship in there. And femslash never shows up on those popular ships until like thirty down, and then it's like Swan Queen from Once Upon a Time or like Korasami or something like that, that has been done for a long time. Um, we, we're not really getting any like new um, content as far as that goes. I would say, I feel like that's, we can open a whole can of worms there. And that is also probably has to do with how women are represented in these stories and how many women, like you said, we've only had one or two women in a Star Wars movie at a time with sometimes very little little to no dialogue or screen time um which is not just so star wars thing it's like a media fandom thing in general so i wonder if as we hopefully move forward and have better representation if that kind of thing will change i hope so i mean i do think that you know I i hate to say it but I do think that that kiss at the end of The Rise of Skywalker and this mention in the High Republic book of, you know, this married couple that are two men, I think that is a sign of what's yet to come. I would like to believe that it's a sign of what's yet to come. Um, but, I mean, yeah, we're still pushing for all this representation. And, you know, it's my hope. We've got 10 new shows coming out in the next couple of years. That is plenty of opportunity to give us that queer representation that we need. Um, not just in people being queer, because we even have um, Vi Marathi, which is a character from uh, Batu, um, the the she was designed specifically for Galaxy's Edge. She is canonically asexual, so we do have some of that, but you know, not you know specifically in the shipping sense. I hope that these little tidbits that we are getting are you know making way for something truly canon that is too people of the same sex in a relationship because we really need that (laughs) yeah and i feel like we would be remiss to leave out um one of the biggest crack ships i would say that um is in the star wars fandom that is kylux um which is like 
I, I think it was the response to Raylo more than anything. Um, I mean, I think this is a perfect segue into uh, our ship wars. <laughs> yes. Let's let's let talk about Kylex for a bit and then we'll get right into the dirty stuff. Yes. Okay. So um, basically a lot of people who ship Kylex have a really strong reaction to Raylo that is negative and they feel like they want to combat that with something that um, fits their tastes a little bit more and that is sort of like a like almost like an enemies to lovers situation but is specifically queer um, and is specifically not Raylo. Um, so you have like that uh, and you know there are other reasons that people ship them because they do have that sort of bickering energy that Hanleya energy um but it's like a lot of what i have seen in the fandom of kylox is it is anti it is the anti raylo um so yeah basically as ship culture has evolved ship wars have become more prevalent as we are getting more shippers on twitter that can blast back and forth on each other as we are getting tumblr blogs where you can be anonymous and yell at however many people you want and tell them to die because they ship raylo it's like become really upsetting to be in shipping culture sometimes because of ship wars and because of sort of the intolerance of anyone who doesn't share your opinion and um one of the biggest battlefronts of that you know, conflict was between the Raylo shippers and the Kylux shippers. And there were some really, really bad people on both sides of that on Tumblr. Um, so in like- I mean, I didn't even think- Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was, gonna, I was gonna ask in your personal experience, like how have you come into contact with like toxic shipping and ship wars and that sort of thing? Um, well, I would say that without question whether you are on the complete I don't want this I don't want you to mention Raylo I don't want to look at it nothing or you are the complete opposite and you are your entire life is Raylo I think that we can all agree that the most hated ship which in some cases might be the most loved ship as well is Raylo and it has caused this insane argument um, about shipping in the Star Wars fandom specifically that I have personally not seen anywhere else. Um, and, you know, uh, like I mentioned earlier, it does not matter where you lie on that subject, but there have been some really ugly discussions, arguments, attacking people over this. Um, and you're right, it comes with both comes from both sides. It's not just, you know, Kylux people going after the Raylos. I have seen it nasty on every side. And I think that Tumblr is the primary source of that um, argument. Um, I There were a lot of people who, um, you know, started making all of this content that was, you know, if you Braylo, you, you know, don't deserve to be a fan or, you know, you don't, um, you are allowing toxic behavior in a relationship, you're promoting that or, you know, um, you know, all the characters in the sequel trilogy um, you know, we shouldn't have any heterosexual relationships, which uh, back to that, you know, yes, we should have more representation, but that was a really, you know, bad pushback to this idea that they were, you know, having tension, they might become a thing. And 
Um, I I think me personally, I witnessed it the most on Tumblr, but also on Instagram, because that was where a lot of my Star Wars content was coming from until I joined TikTok. And I saw, you know, role players get really, really nasty with each other. You know, I saw death threats towards people who ship one or the other. I saw people deleting their accounts because they were told they couldn't ship something, you know, it got really ugly and it still is in a lot of places. And, you know, I, I'm guilty of feeling a certain way, you know, back when I started shipping Braylo, but now I'm at this point and especially because I have influence in the fandom, you know, I'm in no position to tell you what you can or cannot ship, but also, you know, if, if I can do anything, I want to take that stigma away because it's, there have been some really dark moments of people, you know, pro Raylo versus anti Raylo, and I cannot think of a single thing in any other fandom and any other section of Star Wars that is that intense. Uh, you know, yeah. What are your thoughts on that, Brooke? Because I, I, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to talk about there, and I think it's such a weird phenomenon, and I'm not even sure why it occurred in the first place. Yeah, I, I did not expect the, especially like. I didn't really get really into Star Wars until after The Last Jedi. So coming into that kind of environment um, was really like jarring because I've been in like involved in other fandoms and you just have casual ships or even if you like really like a ship, it's like, all right, cool. And there's not a lot of discourse about it. But for something about Raylo has really got people like passionate one way or the other which is not what I expected and even to to this day I see posts on very anti-Raylo or very pro-Raylo posts on Tumblr I saw one um the other day from someone it was like a reblog of someone that I follow and it was it was interesting because it was someone they weren't posing themselves as like a thin ray but they were saying like how could Lucasfilm or Star Wars like as a company um you know tease us with something like Finray and then instead of giving more like spotlight to the black actor in who was supposed to be a protagonist and more important to the story at least from what we expected and instead shipped her with like the fascist um which I thought was very interesting uh, because I I think it's not like if your criticisms are coming from a good place, I think it's okay. Like it's okay to have valid criticism about, especially when it comes to race or, you know, people of color representation in those stories. Um, but the way that I saw the post was just very like so anti Raylo that they were using that kind of as like an excuse to, to hate on it. Um, it wasn't like the way it was worded was not, was not nice <laughs> yeah and um it's really like <laughs> i um i do want to say that ship wars are as a as a concept are not like a totally new concept um there was like the war of to ship or not to ship um molder and scully when shipping first really came into the mainstream and um you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is cited as having one of the greatest ship wars of all time as to whether Buffy should be with Spike or Angel. Um, but 
you know, it's it's gotten like to the point where it is off of the forums. It is not on those dedicated spaces where you come to talk about should Buffy be with Spike or Angel. It's now like if you go into the Star Wars fandom and you dip your toe into whatever ship you want, you're gonna get some hate for it. Or at least see hate given to other people who agree with you. Um, so it's it's almost like you can't avoid it. It's like that phenomenon of um, it's hard to stay away from politics in just being on social media. If you're in the shipping community, it's hard to stay away from people who will be anti whatever you are. Yeah, and I think that something that is, you know, kind of represents just how big this war is and how far it has spread is you know people who are not in the star wars fandom have an opinion on this you know i live with you know my flatmates are not inherently star wars fans you know they like it but they're not you know invested in it and Every single one of them has an opinion on this matter. Everyone, my, one of my professors had a conversation with me about this and she just casually watches the films. Like this is, I, I don't even understand why this ship of all ships, um, it's just fascinating to me. And another thing that I think I personally have seen that has contributed to the toxicity, not of the ships themselves, but of this interaction between the, two sides is that people have tried to get the actors and the filmmakers involved you know there have been people who want their favorite actors from the franchise to speak their piece on it and you know use that as evidence towards their arguments um uh, or you know they would pick apart interviews from the last jedi to determine you know what were ryan johnson's true intentions or you know there were you know every time a film came out in this trilogy it was oh look well this happened so here's the evidence you're wrong i'm right like from both sides and i just don't you know, now that you've mentioned um, the Spike and Angel discussion, you know, yeah, that makes sense to me because we've talked about it before and that, that did seem fairly large, but nothing really compares to this crazy, you know, you are not my friend. Like people have lost friendships over this in particular and it's just shocking and disappointing, you know, like that's not, I don't, it's led me personally to not talking about my preference because it seems like if you ship Raylo, there is a label over your forehead and people don't want to associate with you. Yeah, I feel like it has to go back to how you view the like enemies to lovers trope because in modern media, Raylo is the first like true like enemies like on opposite sides of the force like enemies to lovers stroke because we see the enemies to lovers in like high school shows and we see them in like you know romantic comedy kind of things but this is legitimately like I am on the dark side she is on the light side kind of thing um and I feel like it's just your I guess how you view that and it's it's hard when we talk about something like Star Wars, because you want to make real world connections, obviously, like you can't have Star Wars without politics, because like the basis of Star Wars were what was going on in the world at the time. And it continues to be that way. Um, but I think it's a little bit different when it comes to like in universe 
things like relationships. Um, Cause there, I guess a lot of the pushback comes from people viewing Raylo as a very toxic, unhealthy relationship and they just don't want any part of it at all. They don't want to see it or whatever. Um, and I guess like a counter argument would just be like, we have to remember that this is a fantasy world and, and sometimes fantasy world plays by different rules within like the confines of their universe, um, which I think enemies to lovers fits into one of those categories um, because you wouldn't have, you can't make any real world connection to it that would like make sense. That would be healthy and you know what I mean? Like it would be the, the girls that write to like the serial killers in jail or something. Like I can't think of a real world connection to it um and if you do then you will start to say well maybe it is like really terrible and toxic but then it's like how far do you go before you're you know telling the people that ship Raylo that they're toxic and this stuff because I feel like it, it this the like controversy is so strong that that does happen yeah absolutely and uh just now that you've brought that point up uh let me ask you both this question because it's something that's been on my mind every time this comes up in conversation with someone else in the fandom or even just someone who's curious about it because they've heard about it um do you think that the pushback to Raylo would be as intense if ray was on the dark side and ben was on the light side definitely not um because i feel like the association with this might be an abusive relationship it comes from like the fact that it is a man who has this like perceived power um and is the one who's like trying to get her to turn to the dark side and people sort of translate that into oh well this has an inherent like bad power dynamic um if ray were on the dark side i think that people would think it was really sexy um and that um it, you know it there is this like sort of fantasy of um oh i can make him better that is like pushed back against a lot by media criticism and raylo sometimes falls into that trope but if you actually watch the movies ray is trying to give him a chance to change but she's not trying to change him um so it's uh and and when he doesn't change she kind of says okay well screw you for a while and you know stabs him in the gut until he realizes <laughs> oh I shouldn't have done that. He could have been redeemed and takes the time to, you know, acknowledge that mistake and heal him. But she doesn't say like, I'm so sorry, baby, come back with me to the resistance. She steals his car and leaves. So it's like a, it's sort of, um, people assign, I think what Brooke was saying is definitely correct. People assign things to it that don't necessarily fit with it. But if Ray was the one who was constantly trying to coerce him to the dark side, then that wouldn't have been viewed as a problem. Yeah, I think it goes into the, what these things are written for, like the male gaze versus the female gaze. I know, uh, I don't know if you saw like Miss Eggie's video about the female gaze. Um, like if we had it the other way, I think Ray would be viewed kind of as like the femme fatale kind of trope, like, she would not be a character that was written for girls and written for women like she is. Um, she would be written in the view of the male gaze. And that's not, that's not what the story is about in this case. Like, because it's the other way around, like I can understand a lot of the criticism that comes 
from it, especially if you're like not significantly invested in it. But if you are and you realize what their relationship actually is, a lot of it is it's more catered towards I would say it is catered more towards the female gaze, especially the last Jedi, because you're it's more of like them coming to understand each other rather than them trying to change each other or Ray trying to change Kylo. Um, I also think they were never in an established relationship. So yeah. I think that plays a big part in the difference like between it's hard because I feel like I always try to I don't try to compare but we always talk about you know Raylo versus Annie Dalla and how both of them have very unhealthy aspects to them and some of them have good aspects to them but I feel like the big difference is like we were talking about earlier like Annie Dalla was an established relationship by the Revenge of the Sith they were married like they were a couple whereas Ray and Kylo were legitimately like enemies are at least like not together until the very end even then it's like were they really even together not exactly like we would we'll never know right and and there's a difference between choking out your pregnant wife like Anakin does Mm -hmm. and dueling someone you are not in a relationship with (laughs) yeah and I mean I think that something that we need to be careful of just as you know as Raylos like I hate to say it, but as Raylos is we need to acknowledge that there are problems with it there are problems with Anadala but there's nothing wrong with shipping either of them and mm-hmm. I think that people tend to forget that you know if you know bringing this full circle back to this conversation of why do we ship things well Raylo resonates with me it, it, that's not me saying I don't acknowledge that there are issues with it But it resonates with me. So that is why that is my ship. Uh, Whereas, you know, people are that way with Anadala. People are that way with Han Leia. People are that way with Storm Pilot. Because, you know, everyone is different. Everybody takes something different away from these films. And, you know, people are so invested in judging each other that they tend to forget that. And, um, you know, kind of the same with, you know, if the roles were reversed, I don't... There is toxic... You know, there is a toxic relationship between General Hux and Kylo Ren. There is. There are arguments for it, absolutely. Uh, but I think because it is queer, people overlook that because it's representation. So I think similarly to, you know, what Hannah said, you know, Ray being on the dark side would be sexy. I think people tend to overlook that there are problems with if that had been canon as well. And, you know, that's not to say that it, you know, if, if that's what had happened, okay fine but it, it it people are so you know quick to decide what they hate instead of criticizing what they like um and i think that that is unfortunate because i think we do tend to forget why we ship things and i think that brings us to the big question about shipping is shipping overall beneficial to a fan base or is it detrimental it's a That's big a question, question. yeah, yeah. I feel like it really comes down to just like what, like how you want to be in the fandom. Like as, especially as creators on TikTok, we talk constantly about what it means to be a toxic fan versus a non-toxic fan. And the same can be said for shippers. There are toxic shippers and non-toxic shippers. So I feel like you're going to have both. 
no matter what. It's just a matter of like what you can do as an individual to make sure that like you're not disrespecting anyone or you're not like you're keeping a welcoming space for everyone within your you know ship or within your fandom like I feel like that's really what it boils down to yeah and I think it ties in to some extent with other toxic things about the fandom or you know gatekeeping to some extent um but I think you know at least in my personal experience shipping has been one of the most instrumental things in getting me through hard times in my life and it's also led me you know we would not be having this conversation if we did not all relate to each other in the sense that we you know not only ship the same things but also you know have done so and shipped other things for quite a while as far as we've been in the fandom because it is an important um at least a recently important thing that has to some extent brought new people into the you know inner circle of star wars because it's not just you know a a show for men you know it's movies for men because you know spacey wacy blowing up things you know laser swords it's not that you know um and i think that uh it has allowed just like we said earlier it has allowed more of a female audience to get into the fandom and you know pick different things out that you know other people haven't noticed so I personally think you know it's just one of those things where we have to remember that Star Wars means something different to everyone and it is you are a fan if you like something about Star Wars and I think so many people tend to forget that whether the argument is about ships or it's about whether the sequels are good you know representation of what star wars is you know anything in between so yeah i think it is a very important and very you know good thing about this fandom but i also think that it can become a very toxic thing um very quickly if we are not um you know aware of how we treat people who disagree with us um or you know try to butt in and decide why someone has an opinion rather than just acknowledging that everyone has a different backstory, you know, and there's reasons for everything we do and everything we like. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, awesome. I like to think, I think it, sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> I, was you say, I, like, I like to think that it, it builds more of a sense of community within the fandom as well. Um, I feel like there's something very different about being like, in a group of people that all like Revenge of the Sith or whatever movie that you like and then being in a group of people that have the same like opinions about something very specific like a ship it's like you're finding other people that feel exactly the way that you do and so it kind of validates you as a fan like okay I'm not crazy for seeing this I feel like that's definitely how a lot of the ships start especially a lot of the crack ships I'm sure that's how they started because we never saw a lot of them on screen or any of them on screen but there were a decent number of people that all felt the same way so I think it, it builds a community more so especially for the the non like for the the groups of women the groups of you know not men groups <laughs> <laughs> to be fans AFAB people yeah mm-hmm yeah 
Well, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about this, Brooke. Um, we really yeah, this is a fantastic you. first episode. We really appreciate you coming on. Will you just uh, quickly remind everyone where they can find you uh, once we upload this so they can go follow you? Yeah, well, thank you guys so much for having me on. This is super fun. Um, you can find me on TikTok at B underscore Dazzler. Um, and I think I'm B Dazzler 95 on Instagram, but I don't post on Instagram um, that much. Um, but you can also find my Etsy store. I'm going to plug that if I might. Um, it is Far, Far Away Factory. And you can find these excellent Boba Fett earrings or Sawyer's excellent Padme Amidala, Queen of Naboo earrings. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Please go follow her. Please go, um, you know, enjoy her content. Please go look at her Etsy. I have six pairs of these earrings and I will continue to buy more. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I hope you enjoyed the first installment of uh, Star Wars. And um, yeah, we'll be back next week uh, to uh, do another one of these.